Thank you so much, David Brooks, for the reading of God's Word. There is a refrain that is participatory in this sermon today, and so I'm going to teach it to you here at the front end, hoping that we'll all participate throughout the sermon, unless I just have a lot of solo acts, which I'd prefer not to do. Here it goes. Are you ready? We all need the deep end. We all need to jump in. All right? So let's say that together. We all need the deep end. We all need to jump in. Great job. Now, here's something I know about the deep end, and it started when I was but a little child. I was always afraid of the deep end, especially when in order to enter into the deep end, you had to take a swim test. Does anybody remember that? Having to take a swim test so that you could enter into the deep end. You know, that would keep me up nights before it was my swim day, especially if I was headed to camp. In my mind, I would go through all of these potential excuses that I could make up, like maybe if I ate an entire meal directly before the swim test, and then I could use that old-fashioned wives' tale. It was like, well, if you, if you ate something 30 minutes before swimming, you, you can't swim or else you might get a cramp. You, I'd, I'd be out. I'd be out. But inevitably, I would usually go through the swim test. And here's the reason why. We all need the deep end. We all need to jump in. Thank you, Tommy Cox, my man. <laughs> There's something about that deep end. There's mystery. There's adventure to it. There's something that we have to embrace about it unless we feel like we've missed out on something far more significant than swimming. There's a wonderful Jungian psychologist that I tend to read a lot about. His name is James Hollis, and he has this fantastic book that I invite you to read entitled Living an Unexamined Life. And this is what he says. In all of his counseling and therapy sessions with individuals, this is what he says is the root cause for why the people are in the chair opposite to him. Here it goes. I find that the biggest shadow issue... That which most people resist, most rationalize away, most avoid, is the magnitude of the unlived life. The the magnitude of the unlived life. That, That part of life which they know they should have jumped into, but regrettably did not. Why? Well, perhaps for some it was because of excuses or other decisions or or maybe just legitimate fears. But when they come to see James Hollis, what they talk about is in so many ways, oh, how I wished I would have. That's why it reflects in their life with some level of discontent or perhaps something that we can all commonly relate to, perhaps one of the most widely diagnosed mental illnesses in all of the United States, anxiety. Anxiety. One of the things that might be the core root of anxiety is that so many of us in our own way, whether young or old, are in some way grappling with this thought that we have not lived out the full meaning of our existence. We, we came to the deep end, and then we chickened out. 
We didn't go through the test. We, we made some excuse. We self-sabotaged. We, we, we chose to stay in the shallow end of life. But yet still, we know that the shallow end cannot suffice. There, there's something in our hearts, minds, and souls that still beckons us back to that deep end, thinking perhaps it's not too late. Maybe I could get another chance. Maybe there's still an opportunity for me yet to live the fullness of my meaning. And it's because what? We all need, we all need, the psalmist talks about this. Psalm 42, 7, he writes, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. He's, he's talking about the same thing. He's talking about there's a deep end. God, there, there's something I know that I am to live if I am to truly live. And it's beckoning me forward. I, I want to embrace it. I, I want to do it. And as mysterious as it is, I believe that you, God, are the answer so that I don't have to sit in a chair and talk about my own woes of the unlived life. That instead, because I follow you, not only will I get up to the threshold of the deep end, but I will also jump in. And as dark and mysterious and as unknown as that is, and even if I fail, I will come away with a sense that I fulfilled the true significance of my existence. No more anxiety. Wow, imagine that. No more regrets. Imagine that. No more remorse over what I missed out on or what I did not do. Wow, how, how freeing would that be? How freeing would that be? And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that in being a disciple of Jesus, in following Jesus, in being one who partakes in the Lord's Supper because you not only believe, but you live as Jesus is Lord and that you earnestly repent of your sins in his presence, you have a lifetime, a lifetime of opportunities to jump in to the deep end. And such is the case in that scripture that you just heard. In that scripture, the disciples leading up to it have been through a multitude of deep ends. Um, Jesus goes to Nazareth and he's rejected in his own hometown. That's when he says no prophet receives honor in his, in his hometown. It's like if you went back to your home, home crowd, home team, wherever you're from, and you tried to give ministry unto them, and they just said, no, we don't trust you, we don't believe you, we don't follow you. So they suffer that dejection. And then Jesus' first cousin, John the Baptist, is beheaded. Is beheaded and the news reaches Jesus and his disciples, and, and obviously it emotionally affects Jesus as it would any one of us when we have a close family member to die unexpectedly. So much so that Jesus and his disciples retreat. He, Jesus needs to get away from it all. But the crowds, as they always do, they, they find Jesus, they follow him, they, they seek him out because they're, they're, they're in need. They're, they're, they're tired, they're, they're worn out, they need healing, they need hope. And Jesus, though humanly exhausted, has this divine will to fulfill. Jesus wants to be the example to all of us. 
that not only does he know that there is a deep end, he is going to show us how to jump in. And that's where he does what I think is the most radical things to us as he did to the disciples. And it's in verse 16 of your scripture. The disciples come to him with all of these myriad of excuses of send them away. There's too many. We're too few. They're being unreasonable. And we don't have any money. And this is what Jesus says. Verse 16. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, I hope that if you've ever dealt with hungry people, that quote from Jesus sends a cold shiver down your spine. Now, there's hungry and there's hangry. Who here knows the difference? Hangry is when you're so hungry that you get angry. And if you've got kids or youth, you probably live that on a daily existence. Ten years in student ministry has taught me as such. Folks, I nearly lost my life one time returning from a youth ski trip when I was with a bunch of hangry youth and I drove past a Chick-fil-A. I mean, it was a good thing that I was driving the church bus because if I was not, they would have attacked me in force. So I did the next best thing. I went to the next exit and I stopped at a Zaxby's. Boy, that went over like a lead balloon. But it's no different. The disciples, they're saying, Jesus, this this mob, 5,000 men and and many more, if you count the women and children, they're hangry. And and what do you want us to do? Not send them away, but but to feed them. Jesus says, yeah. And you know why? We all need. We all need. And this is your chance, guys. This is your chance. I want you to take your meager provisions, five loaves, two fishes. We, we don't really know the origin of where they came from. All the gospel accounts give a different explanation for how they appeared. It seems like here, five loaves and two fishes is what the disciples had on them in the gospel of John. It's because there was a boy with five loaves and, and two fishes. But whatever it was... They make the decision to say, we're going to enter into the deepest deep end ever. We are going to take our meager provisions and we are going to place them in the hands of Jesus Christ, hoping that he can do immeasurably more so that we can satisfy the needs of not only the physical body, but the spiritual heart. Now, Jesus receives these elements, he, he takes them, he, he gives thanks to God for them, and in so many ways, he invites God into the equation, and then Jesus goes right into the deep end with these disciples. And, and here's what happens. I want to read the scripture starting in verse 19, and then I'm going to go back and just kind of highlight very quickly four quick points. Taking the loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 besides women and children. So here are a few quick points. Number one, Jesus creates abundance out of scarcity. Although it was two fish and five loaves... He's able to feed some 10,000 in number. 
Jesus empowers the disciples towards solutions. Empowerment being a key word, something in which they are told, you're no longer just a bystander. You're no longer a witness. You are a participant in the ministry of Jesus. The human need is met. It says the people were satisfied. And if you've ever worked in serving with people, you know how significant that word is. People are never satisfied. That's why they sell so many Snickers. You're there. See what I did? But it's not just that their stomachs are full. It's that their hearts have hope. That not only Jesus... But 12 of their own would be so willing as to jump into the human equation and say, because we believe in a Savior, we're willing to be servants to you. And then this last one, something that I believe is pregnant with possibility for all of us. The understanding of the power of God increases. You know that's what happens when you jump into the deep end? Your understanding of the power of God increases. And I don't think any of us, myself in particular, have reached the full knowledge of God's power. It's it's beyond my capability to do so, but I can't understand a little bit more. But in the mystery that is following Jesus, the only way we truly understand is by participating in the ministry with him. And so when we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, send them away. They're too many. We're too few. We're broke. They need like a million dollars. Jesus says, don't send them away. You give them something to eat. You see, folks, we all need, and we all need, jump in. But what happens? What happens when the deep end wins? Not if, but when. Because it will. There will be times. There will be times when you, in complete faith, jump headlong into that deep end, knowing how badly you need it. You will jump into that deep end, and you will enter the deepest deep end ever in serving others in Jesus' name, and you will feel like you have failed. Interestingly enough, the scripture today is also the scripture of the first sermon I ever preached on homestay from Chile. I thought I had the equivalent of a Billy Graham crusade sermon prepared. I thought the people were going to fill the altar after I just leveled this amazing sermon. But you know the biggest thing I felt afterwards? I felt like I had failed. And so many times, so many times is the case when you're in ministry that you feel like you felt maybe you actually did. But that's not the point. The point of being in the deep end and realizing that you're in over your head is so that you realize you always have a lifeguard. Now, if you're following in your scripture, just the next section over in verses 22 through 36 talks about that. Immediately after, it says, immediately after feeding 5,000 people, Jesus sends his disciples back across the Sea of Galilee and says, row through the night to the other side and I will meet you there. 
when lo and behold, Jesus appears to them walking on the water. Peter sees that and says, Jesus, if it's truly you, call me out on that water and I'll walk towards you. And Jesus says, come. Peter takes the step out of the boat. He's doing well until he takes his eyes off. Jesus, the idea of the deep end is overwhelming. It's consuming him. And so he begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus says, sorry, buddy boy. (laughs) Get in the deep end, see what happens. As my niece says, that's what you get. No. Jesus immediately reaches his hand down pulls Peter up and takes him back to safety. You see, the great thing of having a savior is that he loves to save. It's not out of condemnation. It's not out of judgment. It's something he loves to do out of an abundance of joy for his ministry to us. And when he saves you and plucks you from that deep end that you followed him in faith, but ultimately it was too much, he does so. So that you may recharge, regroup, and try again. We all need. We all need. And here's the best news of all. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. So when Jesus honestly asks, why do you doubt? He's telling us, because I will never leave you. So come on, good people of First Baptist Church. We're right up to a season of the deep end. It's dark. It's mysterious. It's unknown. But it's nothing but boring. So come on with me. Let's get ready to jump in. And as we do, we do so in full freedom and expectation that no matter what, Jesus Christ, our lifeguard, our Savior, will never leave us, never forsake us, now and forevermore. Will you pray? God, we love you. We thank you. You are so good to us. So good, in fact, that we cannot help but turn to you and respond in faith. And may it be so that those who are on the edge of the deep end today wondering if they should make a profession of faith in you and cry out to you as their Savior do so, you will not disappoint them. May it be those who wish to come and join this body of believers at First Baptist Church. It's a deep end, but may they not be afraid. May they come forward and do so knowing that they will be received, God into this fellowship. And may it be for any and all of us daring to live into the deep end, whether it's with family, marriage, jobs, relationships, our community. May we all jump into that deep end, which we all need so desperately for you are with us now and forevermore. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing this response hymn?